Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Hallelujah. We've been talking this month about the power of a declared word, the power of declaration, the power of our words, our confession. And regardless of what your expectation or experience is, with words and what I say and the power in what I say. And at the end of the day, we have to understand that this world is ruled by words, is governed by words, and you have been given the creative capacity in your words to shape and influence your world. Now, I mean, that, that doesn't mean you, you, you confess the Bulldogs are champions, and it, and it happens. They had to get out there, and they had to work their tail off to make that thing happen. Okay? So we're, we're not just talking about just slapping words and just saying stuff and getting stuff. It's deeper than that. We're talking about the will, intent, and purpose of God. What we're talking about is getting in your mouth God's word that's in his mouth. Because God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. I'll say that again. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his mouth. And many times we are saying things that are not in alignment with his word. And what we may not recognize is we're not just being negative or we're not just having a down day. We're actually shaping and, and creating um, an expectation of what's going to come and and. And we find that our lives need expectation for us to arrive somewhere. Miracles are not surprises. Miracles uh, are, are not just God showing up when he wants coming in and coming out on his own. It, it's God meeting us where we're at. It's God showing up where there's expectation. What just happened right now sets expectation. I mean, I hope those of you that came down, you didn't just receive prayer and just, you know, a little casual, uh, you know, um, Lord Jesus, we believe everything will go well. We believe that you went back to your seat charged and challenged by faith to believe that God can literally move on your behalf. That's what we want. And you need to live with that expectation. We need to live with that hope. That's why this disappointment and discouragement, it, it breaks that down over time chisels away at our belief in what God can do. We're asking questions where we ought to be declaring things. Really, if we want to get to the bottom of it, the ultimate goal of confession is to reveal faith. I'll say that again. The ultimate goal of confession, maybe I should have given you the, the purpose of confession in week one, but here we are in week four and I'm laying it out for you. The, the, the goal, our goal with our words in declaring and confessing is ultimately to reveal faith. Why is that important? Look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse one. Hallelujah. No more discouragement. I mean, just refuse to be discouraged. <laughs> I got somebody looking at me like, you can do that? Yeah. 
you don't have to allow discouragement to just show up whenever it wants, have its way in your mind, have its way in your heart, break you down, tear you down. Feeling worse at 9 p.m. than you did at 9 a.m.? I mean, you don't have to live that way. Just tell discouragement. I'm not allowing you to reign in my life anymore. You're not living in my mind rent-free anymore. Come on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hope for. Hope for. Faith is the substance of things hoped hope for. So notice, if I don't have hope, then I don't have any hope of having faith. If I don't have hope, I've got to have a hope, which is a confident expectation. We really misuse that word. If I say, I hope it's in the mail, we, we don't use it in the context of confident expectation. But the word hope here in the Greek means confident expectation, meaning I hope it's in the mail means I know it's in the mail. Hope is really more of a knowing than a wishing. Biblical hope. Biblical hope is more of a knowing, a confidence, an assurance, a belief. Grounded and founded. Not just something in, in, the, in the sky. You know, we, we even have this funny statement, don't get your hopes up. No, in the kingdom, get your hopes up. Get them as high as you can. Get them in the clouds. Get them in the kingdom realm. Get them in the supernatural. Get your hopes up. That's my word to you today. Get your hopes up. Get your confident expectation up. Let's build that confident. Let's have a, a solid assurance. Faith is the substance of those things that we confidently expect. The evidence of things not seen. For by it, by what? Faith. By faith, the elders obtained a great testimony. And by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the what? I mean, you see that, right? The, the worlds were framed by what? And you know what? Your words are still framing things today. Your words are still framing things today. Your confession, your declaration is still framing Today, what you see, what you believe, and the frame is just as important as the actual image. How I frame it. We say this around here at Anchor Faith a lot. We don't need to see something different. We just need to see something differently. We don't, it's not something different that we're looking for. It's seeing how God is moving and working in the situation. It's called perspective. And our words can, get, can, can shift and give us a kingdom perspective, a godly perspective, a heavenly perspective. Set your mind on things above, not on earth below. What's he saying? Get God's perspective on it. See it the way he sees it. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The things that are seen came from things that are invisible, which means I, I, it requires faith. Faith is always required to see what cannot be seen. Faith is always required to see what cannot be seen. And so 
Many of us reduce our lives merely to what is seen, how we feel, what we hear, what's literally happening in the situation. And there's no faith applied at all. And so faith can't make the transaction from the unseen to the seen. It can't bring the unseen into the seen realm. There's an unseen realm. You have sickness in your body. That's the seen. But there's healing in an unseen realm that's promised to you. And so I need to make a transaction. I need to trade my sickness for his healing. Well, I, I, only faith grabs that. Talking and complaining about how sick I am and how I'm never going to get better and, and this pain's never going to go. That's not going to make the transaction possible to grab that healing. Let the weak say, I am strong. There's a transaction being made. Let the poor say, I am rich. There's a transaction being made. So the, the, scene, the, the scene that we have actually comes from things which are invisible. And then you jump down to verse 6, and he really just dials it in, just gets real blunt with us, and he says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. <laughs> He just lays it out. Let's just go ahead and let you know. God will always demand faith. He'll never operate from a level. He'll never allow you to operate at a level where faith is not demanded. This is what I tell people. The second you get what you were believing for, God's already moved on to the next thing that you don't yet have. The second we... We, we obtain the remainder of this down payment, which I'll show you here later on where we're at. We're very close. We're moving on to the next unseen project. We live in the unseen projects. You have to live there. You have to live in the unseen. You've got to get comfortable in the unseen. As uncomfortable as it is, you, you've got to live in the unseen. But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. All right, we just talked about that. Not just that he was. Not just that he will be. God is a present tense God. He's doing it right now. He's working on it right now. He's moving in it right now. So don't lose hope. Don't lose that confident expectation. Don't lose that assurance. Don't allow your faith to dwindle. Don't become discouraged and disappointed. Well, I haven't seen it. I've been standing. Then keep standing. When you've done all to stand, do what? Stand. Stand. When you've done all to stand, why sit? <laughs> I've done all the work to stand. I might as well stand. Might as well stand on his word. He is, he is a rewarder of those who diligently Seek him. In uh, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter four. So this faith, it's in our heart. Faith is a belief system. Faith is not in the mental realm. You don't believe with your mind. You don't believe by thinking it. Faith is of the heart. It's a belief system within the heart, within the 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 most central core intimate places of your life. That's where this faith comes from. This is not mental ascent. This is not, well, if I can just think it enough. No, this is, 
It's got, we've already talked about this. It's got to be sown. It's got to be stored. Then it's got to be said, and then you'll see it, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. So this, this is what's going on in the heart. I'm believing by faith in my heart. I'm not believing by faith in my mind. This is, this is not instruction. This isn't information. This isn't I can go to school and learn. No, this is, and this is the great thing about it. Anybody can live by faith. Anybody can do it. Doesn't matter how much money you make. Doesn't matter what you do as a profession. It doesn't matter how much schooling you've had. Doesn't matter what side of the tracks you grew up on. Anybody can live by faith. Anybody can do it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, the New King James reads, And since we have the same spirit of faith, spirit of faith meaning it's a spiritual matter. It's not an intellectual matter. It's a spiritual matter. According to what is written, I believed... Therefore, I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. I love how this reads in the Passion Translation. Listen to this in the Passion Translation. We have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believe, then speak. But it's, it's, it's qualified in faith. That my words are words of faith. Faith is what? Contacting the unseen. So if I'm only saying what I'm seeing, there's no faith applied. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is sight. If faith is what is unseen, then the opposite would obviously be what is seen. So it's dangerous when we live in a way that we only operate according to what we see. And then our words only speak what we see. That's a dangerous way to operate for a believer. That's the way the world lives. That's the way the world, and and, and you end up on this roller coaster of life Because whatever life throws at you, if life gives you a good day, guess what? You're up. And when life throws you a bad day, you're down. When life gives you something to rejoice and be glad about, you're up. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your your hopes, your your believing, your, your speaking. I mean, all of a sudden, your good things are happening and good things are coming out of your mouth. But then... When bad things happen, you do the same thing. Bad words come out of your mouth. And I'm not just talking four-letter words. I'm talking death words. Breeding death into situations. This marriage is never going to turn around. I see people ride the marriage roller coaster all the time. You know why? Because marriage is a roller coaster. I'm in one. I know that. It's a roller coaster. Male and female coming together, it's almost like, God, what were you thinking? But apparently it's possible. And apparently it's possible to the point that we can both help each other succeed in the plan and purpose that God has given us individually and together mutually. It's possible. It's his plan. It's his design. Now, you got to do it according to his plan, right? You can't mess up the design and then expect to get the same results. You got to, it's got to work according to his plan. I got to get his word on the thing. Okay, what is a marriage supposed to look like? 
This is supposed to be the image of Jesus in the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the groom. Right? So we have these things that, that show us, but we wind up on these roller coasters and, and our words are attached. They're, they're, they're riding in the roller coaster, just following whatever's happening. And he's saying, no, your words should stay constant because your words are shaping your world. So we've got to get a hold of this. I believed first in my heart. Then I spoke in faith. We also believe, then speak in faith. Look at Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 gives us a powerful example. With Abraham and how some of these principles and elements that we're talking about are applied. I'm telling you, man, if, 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 if you come to Anchor Faith Church and you leave discouraged, I'm shutting this thing down. Like, forget it. it. It ain't worth it. I don't need another thing in my life. I don't need to go out of my way to find discouragement. But this is a place of encouragement. This is a place where you become emboldened. This is a place where you leave believing in the impossible. This is a place where you get surrounded by others that say, it is possible. It can happen. He will do it. I mean, we, I, I've, I've seen some discouraging churches. And it's usually filled with discouraged people. Someone told me the other day, hurt people, hurt people. So don't ever come in here with your hurts and your pains and your struggles and then cause someone else to carry your burden with you. Lay it at the door. Bring it to the altar. To partake in times like this where I can cast that thing. Because we got to cast that care so that I can carry by faith the vision and believe what God can do. Amen. Romans chapter 4, start with verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure. The promise, those are with words, right? You don't promise in your mind, you promise with your words. Promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who, whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls, everyone say calls, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. As though they did. It's calling or speaking something that you are desiring to see or wishing to see or hoping to see or wanting to see as if it has taken place. See, our words have to speak things as if it's now. That's faith. Faith doesn't wait to see it. Faith acts as if that's the way it is right now. Faith acts as if that's the way it should be, and that's the way it is right now, and I'm not waiting. You know, you think of an expectant mother. They don't wait, or shouldn't wait, for the baby to come out on this side of the world to start planning names and colors and shopping and building furniture, right? There's an expectation as if it were right now. I'm naming it 
right now. I'm calling it right now. We're buying the furniture right now. We're getting the room prepared right now. We're putting the savings aside right now. There are literal preparations made because of the expectation. Preparation reveals your expectation. If you're not preparing, then you're not expecting. Okay? And so our words are a part of that. You can start speaking things right now. That's why he says, let the weak. He doesn't say, wait until you're strong to say you're strong. Let the weak say as if though it were right now, I am strong. And that's now shaping. That's now creating an expectation. I believe it in my heart. I confess it with my mouth. And I will see it. I will see it. That's why he gave us his word. We talked about this a little bit. I think it was last night. You know, this word is, is, is more than just a, a love letter from God to his people. It's more than just a, a, a religious code of duty. It's more. This is literally the word of God for your situation that you need to get a hold of in your heart and then speaking it with your mouth. That's what this is. That's the power of this book. It was ne- these words were never meant to stay on these pages. They were meant to be sown as seeds into our hearts, parable of the sower. The sower sows the word. And then eventually these words were intended to come out of our mouths, cross across our tongue, past our lips, and now begin to shape Just as God shaped the world, framed the world, now I can frame my world. Coming into agreement and coming into alignment with his words. And so he calls those things that be not as though they were. Goes on to say in verse 18, who contrary to hope, meaning natural hope would say this can't happen. Against all odds, I think is the way one translation says. Against all odds. Don't wait for everything to be moving in your favor to start moving your mouth towards your miracle. But that's what a lot of people do. They have to see something in the natural before they say it with their mouth. And I'm here to tell you today, God wants it to work in the other way. You say it with your mouth and you'll see it take place in the natural. We got to understand how these things work. These are these are kingdom principles. You can't alter them. You can't change them, and they work. If we follow them, they work. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, meaning there was a confident expectation, regardless of what it looked like, against all odds, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was what, not thought. Let's do a little better with that. According to what was, there we go. I got about half of you on that one. So shall your descendants be. Verse 19, and not being weak in faith. Here it is. This is what we're hitting on today. He did not consider his own body. You know, our considerations affect our confessions. He did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver 
at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. That sounds like confident expectation, doesn't it? That sounds like full assurance, doesn't it? Being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. I have this in the, the Passion Translation. Let's start with, uh, let's start with verse 17. That's what the scripture means when it says, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our example and father for in God's presence he believed that God can raise the dead and call into being things that don't even exist yet. Oh, I like that word yet. I'm not seeing it yet, but that means it's on its way. Yet means there's an expectation of what's to come. Now, sometimes we can use that word yet in the wrong way. There's a song we used to sing here that we don't sing anymore that says, he hasn't failed me yet. Like I'm expecting him one day to fail me. I don't understand. The whole rest of the song is powerful. That one three-letter word, you take it out of context and it's like, well, man, I'm not putting my faith in something that he may do down the road. My faith is that I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So we just don't do it. Verse 18, against all odds. There it is. I knew it was in there somewhere. Against all odds, when it looked hopeless. Yeah, we're eradicating hopelessness. We're getting rid of discouragement and disappointment. Abraham believed the promise and expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. You know, I, I heard someone say that faith's simplest definition is just simply living like God's word is true. Faith is just simply living like God's word is true. I'm taking you at your word, God. You said by your son's stripes, I was healed. I'm taking you at your word. 1 Peter 2.24 actually puts it in past tense. says you were healed, which means before you were sick, you were healed. <laughs> That's awesome. Healing was already made available before the sickness even showed up. And so now when I, when I confess that scripture over my life, he sent his word and he healed them, delivered them from all their disease. When I, I, that's not me just trying to positively speak something into existence. That's not me just trying to make something. That's me coming into alignment with his word, putting it in my words, my mouth, and believing that, expecting, confidently expecting, this is what I'm going to see. Amen. And this is how Abraham operated. It looked hopeless. Abraham believed the promise, expected God to fulfill it. He took God at his word. And as a result, he became the father of many nations. God's declaration over him came to pass. Your descendants will be so many 
that they will be impossible to count. In spite of being nearly 100 years old, when the promise of having a son was made, his faith was so strong that it could not be undermined by the fact that he and Sarah were incapable of conceiving a child. He never stopped believing God's promise, for he was made strong in his faith to father a child, And because he was mighty in faith, he was convinced that God had all the power needed to fulfill his promises. Isn't that amazing? And you and I have the same capacity because we serve the same God, the same God that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He did it before. He'll do it again. He'll do it again. He'll do it now. I believe now. I believe it'll happen in this moment, in my lifetime, in the present tense. Right now, my miracle can be possible. Right now, life change can happen. Breeding that hope, breeding that confident expectation. Go to Mark chapter 5. It's these considerations that I want to focus on today. Against all odds, contrary to hope, against natural reasoning. These things are important. Because notice that a life of faith does not mean that you won't have things that will try to show up and undermine your faith in God. You get on a course, you set yourself on a course, you say, okay, Pastor Mark, you've been talking about declaration this month of January, and, and I, I'm going to declare some things. I'm going to believe some things about 2022. I'm going to declare this is the year we get out of debt. I'm going to declare this is the year the favor of the Lord goes, but this is the year. And get, get, get specific, man. That promotion you're believing for, that, that, that expectation you've set out, that if there's a miracle in your body, this is the year. Refuse to live past December 31st beyond dealing with the same thing. I'm not taking this trial into the next year. Whatever that is, whatever that posture of faith is, you're you're saying, okay, I grab a hold of that. I'm declaring that. Let me just go ahead and tell you that that's not going to alter the fact that there will be opposition. So now it's not just our confession that we need to focus on. It's our considerations we need to focus on. It says that Abraham and Sarah, they did not consider the deadness of her womb. They did not consider his age, which Paul so easily obliges to us, nearly 100 years old. I'm sure Abraham's up there with Paul saying, really, you got to put that out there, man? I'm 100. You got you to put my age out there like that? They're having that little argument up there. Against all odds. We've got to be a people against all odds, not stand in faith when it's easy, not stand in faith when it looks right, not stand in faith when I'm in church. And this is stuff you've got to be able to put in practice tomorrow morning. We're not talking about a Sunday morning faith. We're talking about a Monday morning faith. Because you know you walk out of here rejoicing and excited. They receive the word with joy, but then things come to what? Choke out the word. And if the word is choked out, then it can't be spoke out. I'll go with that. It rhymes, it works. 
I can't be saying words that are getting choked out in my spirit that the enemy's coming alongside and attacking and opposing and challenging and bringing contrary. And now I'm getting a side of my contrary conditions rather than my, 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 my position in what God's word says. Contrary conditions. Mark chapter 5 and verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Did I not put the whole thing? I guess not. Let me just catch you up to verse 25. Jesus gets off the boat, comes to a town, and a, a, a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, he comes to Jesus um, um, just in, in, in absolute desperation. My daughter, my 12-year-old daughter is at home at the point of death. He says, will you come to my house, lay your hands on my daughter, I believe that she'll be healed. What is the position of faith? Let's just clarify. His position is, she's near death. She hasn't died yet. If you make it to my house before she dies, you lay your hands on her, I believe she will be healed. Got to recognize that. Last week we talked about the Roman centurion. He said, just send the word and my servant will be healed. But what's important with faith is you have to locate where people's faith is at. Some people might have the faith to believe for an instantaneous miracle. Some people might have the faith to believe I'm going to have this surgically, this surgical procedure. The, the doctor's hands are going to be guided by the Spirit of God, and I'm not going to have any recourse, not going to have any damage, not going to have any, you know, recovery time, you know, whatever that is. You've got to locate. Jesus was always locating people's faith. And in this moment, the faith is located. Come to my house before she dies. Lay your hands on her. She will be healed. She will live. And Jesus obliges. Okay, I can go. I can move on that. That's where your faith is at. Let's go. And of course, as he begins to move, like everywhere he went, a multitude or a crowd begins to come around him. We catch up here in verse 25. And a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Verse 27 says this, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. Notice the first step was what? Hearing. Faith comes by, and let me, let me take it a step further. Faith comes by hearing, not by having heard. What I tell people all the time is when you find yourself in a faith test or a faith battle, Make sure that you are constantly hearing stuff that's moving you in that direction. That's important because faith doesn't come by what I have heard. Oh, I heard that one time. No, it's, it's perpetual hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. I keep on hearing what I need. If you're believing for a financial miracle, then you need to get the word of God concerning finances, and you need to hear it and hear it and hear it. It causes you to stand on it. That's the sowing part that we talked about. The sowing it and then storing it. So she heard about Jesus first. Faith comes by hearing. She came behind in the crowd and touched his garment. Verse 28, for she said, y'all see that? For she said. So she did not just allow the word that she heard be sown in her heart, be something she thought. 
She literally put voice. She literally put words to what she believed in her heart. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Once again, we have a location of faith. She believes I don't have to get his attention. He doesn't have to lay his hands on me. He doesn't even have to know that I'm even there. I believe if I can get in this crowd and just touch his garment. You know, there were uh, people in the book of Acts that it was just the shadow of the apostles that would come and fall on them and they would be healed with that. There were others that were healed with handkerchiefs or actual, you know, clothing material. They'd, They'd pray over the clothing or they would anoint the clothing and then they would put that on someone and they would receive that healing anointing, that healing power through that. Why do we, why do we write these things off as weird and, and, and we're just doing what we've seen in the Bible. These are our examples. And he's not going to do it the same way every time. But go ahead and get some faith that, man, healing power can flow through cloth. I can touch his garment, speak a word. Rub dirt on his eyes. I mean, there's so many different ways that God is trying to say, don't establish your faith in the method. Establish your faith in the miracle. We get hung up on methods. We get hung up on how something's done rather than why it's done to bring glory to God. So let's just believe that he'll move. And whatever way I can believe God to move in my situation. Don't ever discourage someone else's faith for the method they believe that God can use. That's that's important. For she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith. Y'all see that? This is important. You need to see it. Your faith. He could have said, daughter, my power has made you well. But he didn't say that. Was it his power that made her well? Absolutely. But he's going back a step further and saying something drew on that power. Something made that power available. Remember, he's in a multitude. In fact, one of his disciples later on says, are you kidding me? They're all touching you. How are you asking who's touching you? So it wasn't just the touching that drew the power. It was the belief in the heart. She, she believed it in her heart, confessed it with her mouth, if I touch. Isn't that amazing? Why didn't anybody else get their miracle? Why didn't anybody else? Why don't we have more testimonies out of this? Now, how many times did he say he healed all the sick, all the diseased? In this instance, it's one person that got a miracle because one person showed up with faith that drew on the power and said, if I touch, I will receive. And he highlights the fact that says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Verse 35 says, 
while he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, Jairus' house, who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Okay? Your daughter is dead. When we located his faith at the beginning of this story, where was his faith? She's at the point of death. If you will come to my house, lay your hands on her before she dies. Well, now we've had a change in scenario, haven't we? The conditions have changed. The conditions have changed. Now we're in a whole nother ballgame. Now we're not talking about healing a sick person. We're talking about raising a dead person. We've got a different scenario now. And they even make this statement. They say, why trouble? Why bother him anymore? With this belief, it's beyond what even he can do. It's done. And now you want to be mad at the lady that disrupted your travel journey, right? You know, you, you, you want to rejoice and be thankful she got her miracle, but you're thinking you only delayed the master from getting to my house. This discouragement can show up. This disappointment can show up. This hopelessness. That's hopeless. That's a hopeless. That's a hopelessness setting in. That's a discouragement. Man, we, we were, you, you got your hopes up. Okay, I got the master. He's here in town. Now let's get him to the house. You got this multitude around him. Come on, we just got to press, got to go, got to go. No, 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 don't stop, don't stop. No, 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 come on, we got, we're in a hurry. She's at the point of death. No, oh, she's died. And immediately that discouragement sets in. These considerations. Now he's got a consideration. Because I could believe that if you made it to my house before she died, you could heal her. I could believe that. That's where my faith was. And Jesus moved on that faith. Now we've got a delay, and this delay has led to disappointment. And how many times do the delays in our lives lead to disappointment? Delay. Delay. I've heard people say it this way. Delay is not denial. But these delays, they do something to your heart. They do something. Now, I'm going to show you why the power or how the power of our words can affect this situation. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Verse 36. I love these next three words. As soon as. As soon as. Jesus heard the word that was spoken. Y'all see that? As soon as Jesus heard a word of discouragement. As soon as Jesus heard a word of denial. As soon as Jesus heard a word of disbelief. As soon as Jesus heard a word of doubt. As soon as Jesus heard a word, as soon as the word that came that would try to breed discouragement and disappointment came, it says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, here's the next two most powerful words. He said. 
So here's my question and my challenge for you today. How are you responding to the discouragement that comes? I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you can say all the positive words, you can get the confession of faith, but there will be other confessions that will try to show up. There will be other words that will try to take place. And the conditions of what you are believing for today, when you came down to this altar and we agree with you, they may worsen. I'm not here to tell you that this is just up and to the right from here. In the spirit it is, in the kingdom it is, but in the natural And you have to refuse this disappointment. You have to refuse this discouragement. But if you let words of disbelief get rooted, now all of a sudden that discouragement sets in and there's hopelessness. It's never going to work out. It's never going to change. I gave God another shot and here we are again. But notice, it wasn't the fact that a position of faith eliminated disappointment from coming. It was that a position of faith responded to the disappointment when it came. As soon as. So right there, that shows us you've got to be quick with this thing. Abraham and Sarah, they did not consider the natural condition. Our conditions and these considerations have to be responded to quickly. Don't let them fester. Don't let them take root in your mind and in your heart. We're going to see some steps here that that are going to be some pretty bold steps you may have to take. But the most important thing is you got to be quick. You cannot allow these things to take root. In fact, if I can put it this way, the devil lives by this principle. Matthew chapter 13 tells us when the word of the kingdom is sown, he comes quickly to snatch away that which was sown. The devil even knows this principle. He even knows if I let that seed get down in that soil, I can't defeat that. (laughs) I got to snatch it away. So now we need to reverse this on him and say, okay, you bring seeds of doubt, I'm snatching that up. You're bringing seeds of disappointment, I'm getting rid of that. That's not going down in my soil. That's not going down in my heart. That's not taking root within me. I'm not feeding that, watering that, caring for that, and making sure it becomes fruitful. I'm I'm cutting that thing off. I'm eliminating that as soon as, as soon as, as soon as. You've got to be quick, Johnny on the spot with this thing, because it will come. Discouragement will come. Disappointment will come. Disbelief will come. Doubt will try to make its way in. And you've got to, as soon as you hear it, no. No. That's not what I'm believing for. That's not what I'm standing for. That's not in alignment and agreement with where the Lord has shown me that I'm headed, that I'm going. He said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. What does he immediately do? He plants a seed of belief. He plants a seed of faith. So you have to, as soon as you hear the word, catch it. Nope. And then you've got to replace it with the word of God. 
Bible tells us to cast down every imagination, every high thing that would exalt itself against the word of God, right? Tells us that. Got to cast that down, and then you've got to replace it with what the word of God says. He immediately plants a new seed within Jairus. Okay, we, we, we got to get this thing geared back up. Got to pluck up that seed, can't let that go. Do not be afraid, only believe. Just that simple. Do not be afraid, only believe. Conditions have changed, but now these considerations can affect some things. Then verse 37 says this, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. He permitted no one to follow him. Instantly, he sharpens the focus and he eliminates distraction. When you are in a faith test or a faith fight or you are trying to stay with faith words, you had better check your company, your environment, what's around you. A lot of times I can tell what someone is standing for by the company they keep and don't keep. And, and, and look, I, I understand this is bold, but you have to understand it's not about the person. It's about the seeds the person is sowing. This isn't personal. But unless you can get in this faith fight with me, if you, unless you can agree with me, unless you can feed seeds of faith and belief along with me, then I have to close that circle. You're not going to be privy to information, and you're not going to have, I'm not going to lend you my ear that you can just speak into, well, you know, the last time I tried to, to you know, make that work with my husband, and this is what happened, and then they're just feeding doubt, 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 disbelief, 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 fear, fear, fear. So you got to find company that's going the direction you're going, and he immediately says, all right, no one else. Peter, James, John, that's all I need. Jairus, let's go. We got work to do. Don't be afraid. Only believe. Let's go. He eliminates it. Cuts that company off. Why? It's not up for consideration. You're, you're not going to affect my belief. You're not going to, I'm not going to allow you to sour what we're believing for, what we're moving towards, and what we're going to, what we know we're going to see. This good? He permitted no one to follow. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue. And saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. So now you've arrived at the location. We've already enclosed our company. Moving towards. Now we get to the house. And now we have people that are affected by what they're seeing. Right? Why are they crying? Because of what has happened. Why are they wailing loudly? Because of what just took place. There's no faith here. There's no expectation. There's no, oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad that you're here. Now, now, now I know that you have the power to raise this young girl. I know that you can still deliver this situation even though it looks like it's beyond all hope and against all odds. No, there's none of that. There's, there's not a prayer meeting going on. There's not a faith convention in town. They are just literally moved by what they're seeing, what they've heard, how they're feeling, and, and they're allowing their emotions to take over that. So Jesus 
in verse 39, when he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? And then he makes a really interesting statement. The child is not dead, but sleeping. Now, is that a faith statement? You better believe it. Better believe that's a faith statement because the child is dead. The report that we have received is the child is dead. The report that we received when we went into the promised land is that there's giants and it's fortified cities and these, it's a vast land and it swallows in its habitants and, 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 and we're just like grasshoppers in their sight. The report is not, the, the report is factual. It's just not faithful. Faith doesn't deny the facts, it just overrides the facts. The fact is, she's dead. But Jesus has a different report, and he gives it, and he has no hesitancy. He has no hesitancy to speak out and say, "Ah, she's just asleep. And how dumb he must look, how crazy, how idiotic he must look in this moment. The master, uh, the the religious leader has grabbed Jesus. The master brought him to his house. They they should have stopped this journey already when the report came that she died. But he's pressing on. He says, okay, we're closing our circle. We're only going to take a few people. Arrive at the house, weeping and wailing, all these people crying and going nuts. Emotions overriding. Disappointment setting in. Discouragement setting in. Doubt and unbelief setting in. I mean, it's just... The enemy's having a heyday right here. And so Jesus speaks up and he speaks a word by faith about the situation. I'm going to go in, I'm going to wake this girl up. And so this is where your words come into play. Jesus could have just shoved them aside and said, just get out of the way. Let me handle this. But he spoke a word of what his expectation was that he was going to see when he got in there. And this is why we're saying you've got to use your words before you see it. You've got to say it before you see it. You've got to get a a word from God about the situation, and then you've got to put your word to it. I promise you, if you don't replace the negative words with the word of God, you will start saying the negative words. You might think, well, I just won't believe it. No, you've literally got to replace. You've got to put something in. Get a hold of a, it's not dead, it's just sleeping. Get that kind of confession in your mouth. Get that kind of belief system in your heart. Get that kind of posture and stance and boldness and tenacity that says, man, no, just sleeping. This situation is not dead, it's just sleeping. This marriage is not dead, it's just sleeping. See, sleeping is different than dead. It has the appearance of dead, but it's not. It can be awoken, it can be raised up, it can be brought back to life, it can be rejuvenated, it can be restored, it can be redeemed. But if you think the marriage is dead, if you think the the sickness is going to lead to death, if you think that there's no hope, but sleeping, man, that's easy. And Jesus is saying, this is easy. This is easy. Well, look at their response in verse 40. And they ridiculed him. And they ridiculed him. So again, considerations. You ever spoken by faith and then someone called you out for it and said, are you crazy? I mean, have you ever walked in and stepped in faith that made people think you're literally nuts? 
That, that's that's a. And they might not have told you, but you knew what they knew. You knew they thought that guy's crazy. We're not going to dinner with them anymore. Uh, no. Come on now. Faith battles, faith tests, faith assignments, faith advancement. I mean, if your faith doesn't make you look a little crazy sometimes, maybe we're playing a little too safe. (laughs) If our faith doesn't put us on the, I don't know if we should be talking to those people anymore. And you respond and say, well, good, because you're not in my circle anyways. Amen. Because look what Jesus did after they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, <laughs> he's not moved one bit, man. He's, he, he is not moved one bit. He, he is not giving one thought of consideration. Abraham and Sarah did not consider the deadness of their womb. Jesus did not consider the deadness in that child. Jesus did not consider the weeping and wailing at the house. Jesus did not consider the report that said, she is dead, don't bother him anymore. Jesus did not consider. So what you consider will determine what you confess. So these considerations need to be put out. Have the boldness to put out considerations. Have the boldness to leave some things on the outside looking in. Have the the boldness to say, this can't go with me. If I'm going to see the result and the victory and the belief of what I know God can do, I cannot allow this to be attached to me any longer. Have the boldness to stand up and say, my faith victory is more important than, than, than maybe friendship, maybe valued by others, maybe uh, 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 popularity you just gotta say my victory we may come at a cost but it'll be worth it when I get it I can promise you Jay Iris would rather have his daughter back alive than his friends at the door I can promise you he would trade that in a heartbeat if getting my miracle means losing you then that's okay to me This is what I'm standing for. This is what I'm believing for. And again, it's not just people. There's going to be all kinds of things you may have to consider that you say, you know, I'm going to go into this faith battle, this faith test, and it's going to cost me this. It may cost me that. It may, I may have to sacrifice this, but my victory means that much to me. Jesus obviously is not trying to win an award here. He's not trying to win a popularity contest. He's not considering, well, what are they going to think with me if I say she's not sleeping or she's not dead, she's only sleeping. He's not even considering that. He knows there is an answer. There's a victory on the other side of this thing. We will see a miracle. We can believe in the impossible. We can see this take place. And I'm not letting anything stop me. And when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. He took the child by the hand and said to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately, I love all the immediately and as soon as references. Notice we're staying on top of this thing. 
immediately the fountain of blood was dried up. Immediately the power had gone out of him. Immediately a word of negativity came that said, she has died, don't bother the master anymore. As soon as he heard the word, he responded. And now just all the immediacy behind this. Why? What's the point? You can't let things linger. You can't just let things fester. You can't just say, oh, it's no big deal. Uprooting a seed is much easier than tearing down the oak. Get it while it's still in its smallest form. Get on top of it when it's just one person rather than 10 people all telling you the same thing. Amen. Get on top of it. Get a posture of faith that says this is where we're going and these considerations will affect my confession. Worship team, if you come. What are we considering from this point on? You got your confession. You got your faith position. Faith comes by hearing. You're hearing and you're, you're, you're feeding and you're sowing and you're storing and you're saying and you're seeing. You're, we're doing these principles. We're doing these steps that we're talking about. But then the considerations. What are the things that are coming in behind your position of faith that are trying to uproot? In essence, is the question is this. Who's uprooting quicker? Is the devil uprooting your stuff or are you uprooting his stuff? I'm telling you, he's coming after your stuff quick. Right now, right now, what I'm sowing right now, he wants to snatch it before you make it to your car. He wants to snatch it before you even hardly make it past those double doors. Starts bringing thoughts, this can't happen for you. You don't qualify. Do you know what you've done? You know where you've been? You tried to do that last year in 2021 and see a victory and you couldn't do it. What makes you think you can get it this year? It's snatching. Seed snatching. And then he starts putting new seeds in. It'll always be this way. There's no hope. You've gone too far. As soon as, as soon as, as soon as, immediately, immediately. Got to be intentional. Got to be deliberate. Got to go after these things. Your considerations will alter your confessions. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.